0: I was having a discussion with Sandy Rekshoff a few weeks back. We were trying to figure out what is the most uncomfortable topic to talk about. And we were going back and forth trying to figure this out, and we realized there was this one topic, because there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable, but we usually talk about them. But there's this one topic which is uncomfortable, but we just don't talk about it. I mean, if you think about what's uncomfortable. War, but we talk about it all the time. When it comes to sickness, it's very uncomfortable, but it's talked about while the sickness is happening and after it's happened. Even more intimate affairs that are uncomfortable, but in the right setting, they're talked about. But the one thing we will not talk about is money. I can go to a person who has cancer, who has recovered from cancer, and I can say, what was it like when you recovered from cancer, what was the treatment like? How are you doing now? But I'm not allowed to go to a person and say, how much money do you make? You know that car you have? How much did that cost? And that chandelier, how much was that? We are deeply uncomfortable with money. And it's an age old problem. This has been going on. This didn't just start 20 years ago. This is a thousands of year old thing that we've been wrestling with. As a Jewish people. And I would argue that it began in Egypt. Rabbi David Wolpe, he points out that when we were in Egypt, we were around a society that worshiped the tangible. And that's what we got to know. If you think we build these big pyramids and statues and the gods are tangible and people even embalm their bodies in a way that they were worshiping their bodies because you didn't want that to end either. And then, in order to deal with it, we went the complete opposite direction. And we went to Sinai. We went to the desert with almost nothing. We're running out of there. We've only got matzah on our backs here. And we get out there, and we learn to worship the intangible. I think if you break down the tangible versus the intangible, I think worshiping the tangible, it comes from a fear of the fact that we're finite. We become aware of it, and we don't want it to be true. And so even when I die, when I end, and I'm in coma, and I'm in the ground, there is going to be a stone above my head with my name written on it, knowing that that stone is going to last longer than I'm going to last, hoping that there's some memory of me as I disintegrate back into the earth. And if you think about great societies, when they realize, oy, we're finite, they build huge monuments like the pyramids, knowing that that will be around here longer than we will be around here. So we head to the desert. We go to Sinai. Moses, he goes up to Sinai in order to get the Torah. And the Torah, we can think, well, that's tangible. We worship that, but we don't. The Torah, even tomorrow, when we take the Torah out in here, we don't bow to the Torah. We tell everybody, look, there is one God. This is not the God. It's just a Torah. And once everyone agrees on that, You turn and you bow to an empty ark, to the intangible, to nothingness, because that's what we're trying to worship. But even while Moses is sitting on Sinai and trying to make this relationship and figure out how do we worship the intangible, the Jews below, they're so impatient. They couldn't even last 40 days. So they take all of their riches and their money and their gold and they build this golden calf, the tangible, in order to worship that. And so then we have to spend the next 40 years figuring out how do we celebrate and worship the intangible? And we do it. That's what we do in the desert. But you see, the thing is, we didn't stay in the desert. Desert, it wasn't the real world. We knew that it was going to come to an end, and that's where we reach in our Torah portion this week. We realized we needed to make a system that if you're going to go into the real world and you're going to deal with money and the tangible... How do you handle that without becoming so obsessed with it? Because at the end of the day, money doesn't mean anything. Money is just a representation of things that you can buy. If I'm stranded on a desert island and I have all the money in the world, it does nothing for me. I'm using it to get services. Even when you get to the point, you go, well, you know, I own my house, I own that land. You don't own the house and you don't really own the land. You're just borrowing it. Because eventually, you're going to go back into the land and you return to it. The money we have, we're borrowing all of it. And so in this week's Parsha, the way that we finally address this and build a system around it is the Jubilee year. We talk about sabbatical years. Every seven years, let the land rest. Let it just be. But every 50 years, everything that you own, it's gone. It's no longer yours. You were just renting it. And it returns to the collective, and everything starts over. And it's this reminder to us individually and also as a people that what we are worshiping is not those things which we try to grab onto and hold onto, but it's rather the infinite. It's the time that we're in. And it's all over our tradition. If we think about the kittle we wear when we die, it's this shroud that has no pockets in it, because you can't take anything with you when you die. Even the farmer, we create laws for the farmer that when the farmer has this land and the farmer usually would say, this is my land, the Torah says, well, it's not really your land. You don't own the land. You actually don't even own the tree. What you own is the first Passover of that tree. You can be the one that determines when you think your almonds are ready. Then you can go out and that's the big day. You get to pick as many almonds as you want to, but you only get the first pass on it. After that, it's everybody else's because you never owned it. All you owned was that time period to get the almonds. There's a Midrash that says that when we are born, we come into the world with our fists clenched. If you think about babies, you know they're looking at you and you can put your finger in their hand, and they grab it, and they're grabbing everything, and then eventually they put everything in their mouth, but they're grabbing everything in sight. But when we die, when we reach the very end of our lives, Our hands open up and we let go. And that's the shift that we have to make in our lives. From the beginning of when we start, when we're trying to grab and own everything, the wisdom that we try to accumulate through our lifetimes is to realize that I own nothing and I have to let go all of it and push it back into the world. That's what our job is this Shabbat. That's why we read about the Jubilee. It's this time for us to stop and look at where we are in our lives, to see all the things that we're holding on to and worrying about and reminding ourselves that it's our job to learn to let go and realize that it was never the tangible nature of it that we worshipped. It was the intangible. Shabbat shalom. Page two hundred and eighty two. Please rise.